you say you're, the teacher is your proxy, what does that mean? I mean, because, by the way, in local parentis used to mean that literally it means that the, you know, that it's their job to carry, do what a parent would do in the situation where they are present and the parent does not. But that's not what's going on now. No, it is not. They're and working in, a, in, in place of the parent rather than working through the parent right, in, the, in helping the child. To- hey, Joyful Warriors. We are I'm so excited today to have Elizabeth Enns with us. And she has a program called Patriotic Students of America. It's a little over a year old, mm-hmm. but it's helping students to learn to be patriots. Welcome, Elizabeth, to the Joyful Warrior podcast. Our moms are really concerned right now as they look across America and we see so many things changing. And we recognize that a lot of our children in America really don't know about the, yeah. the, the found, founding principles of our country, but are also being taught in school that America isn't so great. And, and you know, for moms and dads, that's really concerning. So I'm excited to hear about your program today. Welcome. First, tell us a little bit about you. Well, I came to America. I'm actually not um, originally an American citizen. I am a naturalized American. I moved here 17 years ago to be a teacher. And after being here for a year, we realized this is home. This is where we want to be. So we started going through the process to get green cards and then become citizens. And during that time, actually, my husband and I started a church. So we're pastors in Fort Mill, South Carolina. And then I also am a mom of three sons. Wonderful. And how old are your kids? 12, 14, and 16. So you know it's sometimes hard. Like, you know, you want to talk to your kids about things. You want to find ways to get them excited about America, especially when they're being told at school. Right. Not such a great country. So that's, again, very concerning. So tell us about this program. What led you to to really create it? Well, exactly what you've just brought up. Leading up to the 2020 elections, I got asked to go on a bus tour with a group of women. We were on the road for two months doing rallies, encouraging women to vote, vote based on policy, not identity, and just getting moms engaged and to get out and vote. During that time, we had the same questions and the same questions for, in regards to the kids, what do we do about our kids? Even if we flip all the school boards, we're working on new curriculum, we're retraining the good teachers who realize that what they learned was wrong and want to you know, do what's right, yeah. that takes time. And in that time, we're losing a generation. And so my solution was just start patriotic clubs. Just start putting good into your kids. And parents and grandparents were like, that's great, but we don't know how to do that. So as soon as I got home after the election, I started working on patriotic students of America and realized I started looking for some kind of curriculum to use. And I saw some homeschool curriculums. I saw education for adults, but I didn't see something that filled that need for club curriculum, not school history class, but engaging and fun and so I realized I needed to write it myself. So then I I just got to work doing all the, because I didn't grow up here, I didn't have all of the the foundations of, of the founding fathers and all of that. So I started doing the research and writing this club curriculum. Wonderful. That's amazing. So we have something called Madison Meetups with Moms for Liberty, and uh, our chapter members will know a little bit about it. It's a program um, that people can sign up for to help to guide them Mm -hmm. to go through the Constitution, to go through the Declaration of Independence, to really understand the documents. And I know that Tina and Marie, during COVID, I think actually started uh, meeting together and and reading together. And, you know, it's such, you can 
talk for, you know, for adults, you could talk for 15 minutes about, you know, one sentence, right, and what the meaning is. So for kids, tell us a little bit more about the program. How do you break down and, and talk about, you know, being patriotic and mm -hmm. about America with the kids? So one of the things that I believe in for education is that we don't just have, this is your moment to learn. And now this is your moment to play and, and everything in boxes. But the more we can teach children just through our living and, and playing, kids learn so much when they're playing. So the idea is that kids get together once a month. They start with saying the Pledge of Allegiance, honoring the flag, standing, like just teaching them how to honor and respect and why we do that. Yeah. And then and they're meeting, I just want to interrupt you, so they're meeting maybe at school, but maybe somewhere else. So right. this could happen in school, or this could be at a church, yes. or at a civic, you could, yeah, even in homes. At a home, okay. We have grandmas that have started uh, clubs for their kids, we have neighbors starting, it could be anywhere, anywhere right. where you can bring a few kids together or lots of kids together, Okay, it can be anywhere. And so it, there's no limit, I mean, how some of your clubs, you said you have clubs in how many states now? Right now we're in 13 different states. Okay, we wonderful. have over 100 clubs. Wow, that's awesome. And so it's growing, and, but it's very grassroots. Right. But we've tried to make it simple enough that if you can read, you can use this to start a club. Okay. And and then if you tend to be more um, creative and stuff, then there's a lot of room to, I, I can't help myself, I turn everything into a game or an activity yeah. because that's just how I'm wired. So to make it magical and come alive for the kids. Okay, that sounds awesome. So give us an example of what that's like. Can you can we sure. get like a little bit of a dive? Give us a sneak peek. <laughs> okay, so one of the lessons I just recently did, we talked about the miracle on the Hudson. When the, the plane crashed on the Hudson River and, and no one no one died and it's just amazing. So I, I taught the kids about the story. But then we just did a really simple activity. The kids got to make a paper airplane. And usually they're like, don't make paper airplanes, you know, at school. But I'm like, everybody needs to make a paper airplane. So all the kids got, come together and some of them really didn't know how to make a paper airplane. So the kids who were really good at it were like, oh, let me show you, which is great interaction that yeah. needs to happen. Yeah. And then we put a big blue blanket on the floor, really simple. And then we stood in different places. All right, you need to successfully land your paper airplane on the Hudson River. Right. And just different things like that. But all those kids remember oh, absolutely. that that happened and everyone survived. What a hero that pilot was. That's absolutely. Right. And it's so important to build kids up and to give them and to share with them some of the wonderful things about Americans, right? Right. Um, who was it that said, always look for the helpers? Is that Mr. Rogers? I'm not his, sure, but that's his, a good his, I think yeah. his mom used to tell him, you know, whenever there's an issue, always look for the helpers. And I think there are always a lot of good, there are a lot of, there's a lot in America that is hard and difficult yeah. that we need to discuss with our children and that, you know, slavery and Jim Crow laws and we need to be very accurate about how we teach American history, yep. but then I also think we need to celebrate the very best of what happens in America. So and it's so that, exciting to hear that's you what doing this, that. That's what this is about. And we intentionally, not that we turn a blind eye to the negative, because we need to learn from the mistakes, and that's important. But right now our kids are so bombarded with the negative, which is why anxiety in children is through the roof. They are, they're feeling hopeless and trapped. Like there's no other, there's no answer. So let's talk about that for a second. You said you're from Canada originally. Mm -hmm. Canada and the United States have taken different approaches. Yeah. Um, when it came to COVID, although some of the states in the United States acted more like Canada, very mm -hmm. restrictive. Yeah. What do you think? Do you have family in Canada? What did you guys think about Justin Trudeau and, and, the, and the, the, the way that Canada reacted with some of the things that happened during COVID? It was disappointing. Um, when we talked, and I, I still have a lot of family you there, do. and 
it was it was disappointing and I kept saying talking to them about the, where's your charter of rights and freedoms because that's what we have in Canada you should be standing up for for your rights and and people really were blinded their media is worse than our media yeah I've heard we that. knew about stuff that was happening there before they knew right. they're like really there was a riot like they, they had no idea they have to watch international news wow to find out the truth of things that are happening and it's a really good reflection point for Americans to think about the fact that very long border, it's my, I always say yeah. it's my Kamala Harris moment because she likes very long border with a country where there are some very concerning things happening, yeah. gender dysphoria and the idea that all of the members of parliament unanimously voted to consider conversion therapy to not a affirm your right. child's want of a gender change. Very, very concerning. The euthanasia stuff that we're seeing, yeah. very yes. concerning. And not even just concern, like, it's, it's worse than concern. You're right. And, and it's terrible. And the conservatives that are there feel like they don't have a voice. And they've also been trained through, through school and over the years to approach it in a way that, that isn't going to cause a fight. Right. Like Canadians are, nice. are known to be, be nice and, yeah. you know, try to understand from other people's point of view. Which is, where, which is how woke gets you. They put a hook in your heart, right? right. And to lead you away from your right. head. To, I, it's I compassion. It's just, but yeah. the truth charity, is... The idea of charity. Right. But it's not it's hurting. It's, it's, it's terrible. It, it's hurting the nation, but it's hurting people. In, and then they, they never then talk about after the fact, we were wrong. That's really hurt that person. Right. And, and if it's in the case of euthanasia, it's not just hurt the person. You've killed the person. Yeah, you can't take it back. Well, even in the case of the, the gender dysphoria and yeah. some of the treatments, some of yeah. that is irreversible. So I think it's really important that Americans, I've said this before on the podcast, pay attention to Canada. Chris Elston, friend Billboard mm -hmm. Chris, um, uh, is from Vancouver area and he had told me very early on that you know there are a lot of things happening in Canada that Americans need to pay attention to so I yeah. think it's so interesting that you're a Canadian you create this amazing program um, so what is when you think about what success looks like for you guys what does that look like how many how many clubs how many states it's, how do people get access to this great program so success to us looks like it's in every state. It's in every city, in every state that kids are learning about the greatness of this nation, but also being inspired to be great. Okay. Because we don't want to just fill kids with information. There's a lot of people who are full of information who just sit and do nothing. Right. We want to inspire them to be great. I believe that we were created in the image of God. And therefore, you, you are a creator. You were created to be great. And so when we can inspire our kids that, that they were made for something, find it. Find your lane. Find what you could be great in. So we really um, want to inspire them to, to get out and do something in community, work together for things like that. Wonderful. And so um, Patriotic Students of America, yes. tell people, tell our members, where do they go to get access to this program? PatrioticStudents.com. It's okay. that easy. PatrioticStudents.com. You can sign up to get newsletters. You can look at the curriculum. You can see, find our social media. All of that is PatrioticStudents.com. Okay, moms and dads, if you want to start a club in your local area, PatrioticStudents.com. Go there, check it out, and then let us know if you start a club and how it's going so you can share that with other members. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for joining us. Really you. appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Joyful Warriors, today we are joined by Yaakov Menken. Uh, Yaakov is a rabbi, um, and you're going to talk to us a little bit today about values and about parenting, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you. You're going to talk to me uh, about Jewish values, but you said to me earlier when we were chatting, these are American values. So um, you, sir, are the... Um, remind me, you're the managing director of the Coalition for Jewish Values. Correct. 
what are what would you consider to be? Tell me a little bit about your organization, and then let's talk about American values and Jewish values and how they're alike. Okay, so um, first of all, our organization represents over 2,000 rabbis in American public policy, making us the largest rabbinic public policy organization wow. in America. Wow. Uh, there is a, a widespread distortion that because a lot of the Jewish community uh, votes left. Uh, a lot of Jews, sadly, have abandoned Jewish values and their attachment to tradition. But if you look at the rabbis in America, the opposite is true. The population of traditional, observant Jews is producing more rabbis than all the other groups combined wow. by a sizable margin. And so people don't realize the educated Jews are actually very in favor of our traditional values. You know, I'll put it this way. Somebody said to me, like, you know, what has the Bible done for us lately? I said, well, if you're willing to trade in the idea that peace is superior to warfare, that there's a brotherhood of man, that every life is sacred, that there should be universal justice, universal education, social responsibility, and family, then you're right. Okay, nothing to talk about. But those are the values of a first world civilization right there. They are not new. They are not progressive. They are the result of people coming in touch with the Bible, actually. Wonderful. You know, so it doesn't matter if you are religious or not, you have to appreciate that this is the source of civilized values. Wonderful. And so parents right now are sending their children to school, and there are values being taught in school, but they're not the parents' values. And so when you're working, when you as a parent have the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of your children, that includes their education, their medical care, their moral and religious upbringing, and the teaching in the classroom is antithetical to the teaching in your home, how, what do you do in that situation? Uh, the answer is you really find a new teacher in a new school, okay. really, because the parent has to be in charge of the process. It's actually, okay, there you go again, Book of Deuteronomy says explicitly, and you shall teach it to your children. So the discussion of our religion and teaching it to our kids is a parental obligation. That's what it says. Yeah. You shall teach it to your children. So not somebody else's kids. You shall not indoctrinate somebody else's kids. It's you teach your own kids, which means that your teachers, your kid's teacher is your proxy. And if you don't like what the proxy is teaching your kids, you have an obligation to speak out and to bring in teachers who share and will promote those values. So I think, I think it's so interesting you say the teacher is your proxy. I'd like for you to talk to us a little bit about that. In the public education system, there's a phrase called in loco parentis that right. the schools often say, and what it means and translates to is, is not those crazy parents, although that's like a little joke, right? But right. It, it's really in place of the parent. But, but it's not... It's not replacing the parent, right? And so talk to me, when you say the teacher is your proxy, what does that mean? I mean, because, by the way, in local parentis, used to mean that, literally, it means that the, you know, that it's their job to carry, do what a parent would do in the situation where they are present and the parent does not. Right. But that's not what's going on now. No, it is not. They're and working in, a, in, in place of the parent rather than working through the parent right. in, the, in helping the child. To teach the child that you should go ahead and do something that you want to do, but your parents do not want you to do, and we're going to help you do it, is the very opposite of a proxy. It's tearing down the bond between parent and child. Which, by the way, is exactly what the communists used to do. 
You know, the communists were big on children reporting their own parents for their hostility to the state and hostility to government. And you got awards for reporting your parents. And never mind that that meant your parents went off to the gulag and you didn't have parents for the rest of your life. That that was what they taught kids to do. And they're doing that now, driving now a wedge the between the parent and the child. And we're seeing that in school. What message does it send to a child to have the school acting in that way? It, 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 you know, I try to think of things through the mind of a child, and it has to be very confusing. It, 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 well, of course it's confusing. It's just, you know, in any type of situation where, you know, one of the things that is pointed out about, for example, marriage between parents of different faiths, is it can confuse the child. Well now, you know, another partner in the education of the child is the teacher in the classroom. If the teacher is saying something that is completely at odds with the parents, if the parents express disrespect for what the teacher says, or the teacher expresses disrespect for what the parent says, you create a confusion in the child. You create a problem for that child regardless of the eventual outcome that is going to include, by the way, a disobedience of authority and a disrespect of authority because that's the lesson they were taught, yeah. is that there's no authority they need to respect. Right. So something interesting that it seems America is struggling with right now, but I don't exactly know why, is this idea of age appropriate. We as a society in many different ways have you know, collectively gone along with things being age appropriate. Movie ratings, for example, we seem to have, you know, a collective understanding about movie ratings and what might make something PG-13 or R, right, versus PG. Um, but when it comes to the books in the libraries, it's like, you know, every, nobody knows what to do with any of it. What does age appropriate mean, right? The American Holocaust Museum um, is where we actually turned to, to look about age appropriate and what that means, because the Holocaust is an incredibly uh, scary and horrible time in our history, but the American Holocaust Museum takes an interesting approach in how they address it with children, having an exhibit for sixth grade and up, uh, and then a separate exhibit for fourth and fifth grade, and then third grade and under, they really say this is not something that children need to be exposed to in this manner. Can we talk a little bit about um, you know, teaching about the Holocaust, teaching about other parts of history that have happened, slavery and Jim Crow laws in the United States, and this idea of the mind of a child and protecting their innocence. I, I was curious if you had any thoughts about that. You know, it, everything has its time, everything has its place. Uh, the truth is that you could debate and discuss whether something like the Holocaust, the fact that terrible things can happen, is something, you know, to talk to your kid. Again, by the way, there you go again. It's a parental decision at a certain point. And that's something where parents can argue it out and, and really with good faith have a difference of opinion. Right. But when it comes to things like sexuality, for example, there's just no reason for the fourth and fifth cl grade classroom to start addressing these things before their time. And I'll be honest, look, in, in our family, what a 16-year-old is exposed to is a different thing than what a 22-year-old is exposed to because there's just certain things that you don't need. You're better off not being aware of and letting enjoy your innocence while it lasts. Yeah, absolutely. I, and and I, I think our moms are struggling with that right now as their children are being bombarded with so many different things, violence and, and sexuality at younger and younger ages. And so people are struggling to protect they, the minds of their children. There was a basic understanding that the more you expose a child to something, the more casually they treat it. 
And that includes violence and the like. In fact, there was a kindergarten teacher who admitted, now this is back in the good old days when teachers actually cared about educating kids for what's best for them. Uh, she was a kindergarten teacher and she said, I used to think that watching violence on TV didn't really have an impact until uh, one boy hit another and I said, you can't do that, Johnny. He says, well, I saw Larry do it to Mo yesterday, Larry, Mo and Curly, right. yesterday on TV. And in other words, there was this idea that exposure to these things really is detrimental. Right. And, and now people will be told, oh, no, 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 that's totally good for the child. Right. And it's not true. And, and it's just not true. And I think parents know that in their hearts. And so we encourage parents to really stand up for their children and to protect them. Last question, uh, fundamental parental rights. Uh, with rights come responsibilities. Can we talk a little bit about, you know, from um, your perspective as a rabbi, but also as a dad, um, your responsibility as a parent to your child? Uh, it, 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 it goes with you, tr truth is, throughout your life. But it has in different stages. When a child is an immature minor, you don't let them go do their own decision making. And that is why it is so poisonous to have teachers encourage children to do things that their parents don't know about with any sort of behavior. I mean, it was always understood that that's just wrong because a parent needs to be involved and not you know, let the child go do something which will have permanent harm and permanent consequences to the extent possible. Then they transfer to the adolescent years and you have to let them start to explore their independence, but still with care. And I'll tell you, my parents, thank God, are still with us and I will oh, still turn to my parents for advice and counsel because, you know, just because of their, their life experience and what they've seen. Sure. And by the way, we have sincere religious differences because I became very religious and they're not. Okay. But I still have that respect and the need to see, you know, what they might think about a particular issue or a particular step because that's something that when parents convey that to the child, the child wants to turn things. They always know throughout their lives mom and dad had my best interests in mind. Lovely. And it's very, very important. It is very, And by the way, important. and even, I, I hate to say it, but even when a parent's divorce, it is so important that they convey to the kids as a united front, we want what is best for you. We will not use you as pawns in our relationship. We will not try to harm the other parent through you because he's now the ex or she's now the ex. Because that is just so harmful to the child and their well-being in the future. No, you're absolutely right. You want right. that child's respect, both parents, and be able to turn for counsel to both parents. You know, it's an incredibly in special relationship that we are blessed to have. I'm a mom of four, so yeah, there you um, go. You know, just very, very important. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us on the Joyful Warrior podcast. Um, you know, when we talk about parenting, I, I've I've said sometimes the the kindest thing that your child can hear is no. And we need to really actively parent our children through all of these different things that are happening. So really appreciate your take on everything today. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.